Good morning and happy Tuesday to you. It is May 30th. I'm Adam Wright. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Very happy to be back with you on this Tuesday morning. It was a holiday weekend and Friday I ended up out of the office for some personal reasons, but I missed you. And I'm, you know, I've been looking forward to this morning for the past few days. Let's begin in prayer, and then I'll tell you what's on tap for today's episode of Roadmap to Heaven. We pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, as I said, it's Tuesday morning. It's May 30th. And, you know, I'm going to make a note of this now because I'll forget later if I don't say it. Uh, tomorrow's the last day of May, which means this coming Friday is our first Friday of the month of June. And Saturday is our first Saturday. Uh, so we'll have our devotions to attend to. Of course, on Friday, that devotion, go to Holy Mass, receive Holy Communion, and then pray in honor of our Lord's Sacred Heart and in reparation for sins against his Sacred Heart. And then on Saturday, it's very similar. We're called to make a good confession, go to Mass, receive Holy Communion, pray the rosary, and then meditate for 15 minutes upon the mysteries of the rosary. Now on Friday, our devotion, we were it, it comes to us through St. Margaret Mary Alico, our Lord asking her to, to share this with us and to ask us to do this devotion. And then on Saturday, our first Saturday devotion coming to us from Our Lady of Fatima through the children at the apparition, uh, two wonderful devotions, very easy to do, mind you. Um, so let's keep that in mind for the end of the week. For today on the show, we are going to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit today. We're going to talk about praying with the church today. We're going to talk about Corpus Christi that's just less than two weeks away. And there's uh, you know, there's some things we need to say about that. Um, in fact, there's a lot of things we need to say about that. And then we also are going to go back and finish up some stuff we left unattended last week with Father Wade talking about the fruits and the gifts of the Holy Spirit because, well, it's important. And I want to make sure we get to that today. Before we go to any of that, though, let's go to Mike Roberts now for today's weather. Today is the feast day of St. Petronia and St. Joan of Arc. Born in the first century, St. Petronia is believed to be either the actual or adopted daughter of St. Peter. According to legend, St. Peter cured her of palsy when she was young, but when she grew, she became so beautiful, Peter asked the Lord to give her a fever and then refused to heal her until her faith was made perfect. Tradition holds she refused the offer of a count, Count Flaccus, and there are accounts she was martyred during the persecution of Roman Emperor Domitian. 
This is also the feast day of St. Joan of Arc. Responding to the voices of St. Michael, St. Catherine of Alexandria, and Margaret of Antioch when she was only 12 years old, Joan led French troops against the English as they recaptured portions of France, allowing Charles VII to be crowned king. But after being convicted as a heretic in a politically motivated trial, she was burned at the stake on this day in 1431. St. Petronia and St. Joan of Arc, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. I love that our Lord's presence in the Eucharist is inexhaustible because we never run out of things to discuss about our Lord being with us to this day. I mean, recently celebrating the Ascension, and yet Jesus still leaves a way for him to be with us, sacramentally present, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And that's exactly what we've been talking about during this time of Eucharistic revival, and that's exactly what we're going to be talking about with Jane Gunther from the Catholic Renewal Center in the Archdiocese of St. Louis today here on the show. Jane, it's so good to have you back with us. Oh, it's so wonderful to be here. We, we talk about this a lot, that in your ministry, and I, I mean, I go back to my days when I was just a teenager in the Life Teen program at my parish that, I mean, it seems like every retreat, every conference we went to, at some point, you had the sense that it was going to be a highlight. There was a time of praise and worship and adoration and mm-hmm. and quiet with our Lord, too, but just to be in His presence. And what a great gift that is for us. Oh, absolutely. Like, there's nothing better, really, because uh, we, we always say, like, so many ways uh, we use too many words, and the Lord is the one who cuts to the chase. And so <laughs> to be in his presence is so healing, so affirming. It so takes us where we need to be for for really the building of the kingdom. So, And, and that's something you've been doing recently here in St. Louis as part of the National Eucharistic Revival at the diocesan level, mm-hmm. uh, having these healing services throughout the diocese, and, mm. and what a wonderful gift those have been. But today we're going to talk about a different opportunity, and it coincides with a beautiful feast in the life of the church, and that's Corpus Christi, yeah. which is coming up. We uh, liturgically celebrate that two weeks after Pentecost. So we've yep. got Pentecost this coming Sunday, then Trinity Sunday, then Corpus Christi. And a reminder, if you're having a procession at your parish, please send an email here to us at the station. Adam at ourcatholicradio.org is my direct email. You can send it straight to me and let us know about your procession. And if you're Jane Gunther, why don't we talk about the procession you have right now? <laughs> yes. So, um, the you know, the diocesan year for the National Eucharistic Revival comes to an end on Corpus Christi. And so we thought, what better way than to launch the parish year of the National Eucharistic Revival with a candle light procession on the eve of Corpus Christi. And so Saturday evening, June 10th, we will be gathering those in our parishes, and anyone really is more than welcome to come, but we're particularly asking that newly married couples come to be part of this candlelight procession, that newly baptized members of our church, whether that was through RCIA or a new little infant welcomed into your family, um, that you and your family and the infant come be with us on this evening of this candlelight procession. Also newly uh, confirmed and first communicant and their families. We're going to 
actually gathered together, united in love is our concept for really going forward after all things new. And what more unites us in love is our sacramental life. And our sacramental life happens at the parish level. Right. And so that's why we thought this is a great way to launch the parish year of the National Eucharistic Revival in our archdiocese with this candlelight procession that will start at College Church at 6.30 on uh, the evening of June 10th. Uh, we'll be gathering for some praise and worship with Mary-Kate Westrich. will be leading us with that. And then Father Don Anstetter, uh, the Associate Professor of Worship at uh, Kenrick Glennon, will be giving a beautiful little summary talk about the Eucharist and the beauty of being in his presence, expose the Blessed Sacrament, and begin our launch with this pilgrimage to the cathedral where Archbishop Rosansky will meet us at the cathedral steps and lead us into our mother church, united in love. This is absolutely great. And then on Sunday, go to your parish procession absolutely. as well. I love that there's a parish nearby. I was sharing this recently, that Father goes specifically by the, the number one brunch spot in the neighborhood as if to say, hey, everybody, you may be eating brunch, but here's the God of the universe right here with us. And uh, mm. come ask us questions if you're curious. Mm. Now, Jane, one of the things I do remember going back to when I was first exposed to this wonderful opportunity we have to pray in Eucharistic Adoration. Mm-hmm was uh, I, I sympathized with the apostles who said, Lord, teach us to pray, you know, because I, I'm in the holy hour and I get about five minutes in and I, I run out of words and I, I, what do I do now? And what would you say to someone that maybe they've never been to something like this um, mm. to come and, you know, there's going to be singing, as you said, there's going to be a talk, but what, how can they prepare? Sure. I mean, the most beautiful thing is is the disposition of our hearts. Like, uh, I think that we always think that we got to fill something up, and actually the Lord's invitation in any kind of Eucharistic adoration hour is really to be. He's inviting us to be. It's not a doing. It's a being with him and allowing him to lead us where he desires us to hear his voice to even sit in quiet with him, to understand what it means to actually wait on the Lord, Psalm 27. I just love that psalm because it just invites us to wait on the Lord. And that is a being with and not a doing. All right. Well, there you go. You have something to, to help get yourself ready if you're. If this is not something that's normally part of your prayer routine. And, uh, you know, it's like I, I used to have to remind myself, you don't have to know the words to the songs to pray along. You don't, all you have to do is, as Jane, you just so beautifully told us, have that disposition of the heart. Lord, I, I love you and and I want to praise you. So June 10th, 6.30 p.m., St. Francis Xavier College Church. And everyone, please continue to send in where your processions are. Adam at Our Catholic Radio, we will share those for Corpus Christi Sunday, which is the 11th. In the meantime, we're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Don't go anywhere. Prayer before a crucifix. Good and sweetest Jesus, before thy face I humbly kneel, and with the greatest fervor of spirit I pray and beseech thee to fix deep in my heart lively sentiments of faith, hope, and charity, true sorrow for my sins, and a firm purpose of amendment, while I consider thy five most precious wounds, having before my eyes the words of David the prophet concerning thee, my Jesus, they have pierced my hands and my feet, 
They have numbered all my bones. Last week, we had a conversation with Father Wade Menezes, host of Open Line Tuesday on EWTN Radio, about the wonderful feast we celebrated Sunday, Pentecost. I keep wanting to say yesterday, but yesterday was Memorial Day. And by the way, yesterday was a beautiful feast day, too, the Memorial of Mary, Mother of the Church. Uh, But there was a lot to our conversation with Father Wade, a lot more than we could fit in just one radio segment. And so today we want to pick up with another one here, uh, talking about the fruits and gifts of the Holy Spirit. The seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, Adam, are found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, uh, wherein the biblical passage refers to the characteristics of a, of a messianic figure, right, uh, understood by Christians to be Jesus Christ, empowered by the Spirit of the Lord, who will be coming into the world. It's a foretelling of the sacred incarnation of the second person of the Most Holy Trinity. Again, at chapter 11, verses 1 through 3 of the book of Isaiah is where we get these seven gifts, and they are wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and fear of the Lord. And then the 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit, which are given to us in Galatians 5, verses 22 through 23, charity or love, synonymous there, uh, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, long-suffering, gentleness, faithfulness, modesty, self-control, and chastity. Uh, Kindness is sometimes called benignity in the older translations of Scripture. Long-suffering is sometimes referred to as longanimity, the virtue or the gift of longanimity. Gentleness is sometimes referred to in the older translations, Adam, as mildness. And self-control is often in the older translations described as continency. But charity, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, long-suffering, gentleness, faithfulness, modesty, self-control, and chastity, again, are the 12 fruits from Galatians 5, verses 22 through 23. The three extra ones come from St. Jerome's very, very well-known Latin Vulgate translation of Scripture, the, the ancient manuscripts from the New Testament epistles. And book of Isaiah, chapter 11, uh, verses 1 through 3, we have wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and fear of the Lord as the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. So here's the question that I've been wondering about all of this as I've been preparing for Pentecost, Father. We talk about these gifts of the Holy Spirit and that, and and, yeah. and as someone who's been confirmed, I mean, I have these gifts. I may, as you have said, uh, only have them to an infantile degree, and we have to flex that muscle, per se, to use those gifts. But going back to the muscle analogy, if I were to work my bicep every day and do a great workout, you would know this because eventually, in, instead of a, a flabby arm, you would see this big muscle bulging out of my shirt sleeve. When we talk about the fruits of the Holy Spirit, is that a mark? Like if we see someone who it has all of these characteristics— that someone then we can say has been exercising all of those gifts of the Holy Spirit? Yes, especially if they demonstrate it at a supernatural level. We see this with the martyrs going to the point of death when their faith is challenged on the spot, like uh, Blessed Miguel Pro before the firing squad. Uh, you know, viva Cristo Rey, viva! You know, I mean, that's that's to a supernatural degree. It is possible that somebody can have joy, 
at a natural level. But when we're talking about the gifts and fruits, we're talking about a supernatural level, precisely because God's sanctifying grace is feeding those 12 gifts and those 12 fruits. So remember, these double Adam as virtues, right? So you can have a virtue at a natural level or at a supernatural level. And you know it's at a supernatural level if it's really, really brought to the point of what is seemingly extinction, giving up the faith, for example, before the firing squad. But instead, just the opposite happens. You stay strong even to the point of death. You're willing to die. You know, St. Paul, you have not yet resisted the temptations against the faith to the point of blood. You know, now now he's using that as a literal example for martyrdom, but also to the point of, of, of a white martyrdom where you don't literally die for the virtue in question, but you're willing to stand up to the type of, of uh, white martyrdom, tribulation and persecution because of the virtue that's in question. So what you're asking could be at a, at a natural or a supernatural level. And for purposes of talking about the seven gifts and the 12 fruits, properly speaking, being fed by God's sanctifying grace in a soul that has no mortal sin on it, hence the need for regular confession, right? Um, and regular confession has the very strong possibility of keeping one away from mortal sin on a regular continuum, on a regular basis. That's one of the great things about monthly confession. Chances are a monthly confessee, a monthly penitent that is, will only have venial sin to confess. Why? Because it's precisely the practice of a monthly confession that is per se keeping them away from mortal sin. And that's a beautiful thing. So uh, what we're talking about when we talk about the seven gifts and the 12 fruits, properly speaking, it's, it's at a supernatural level. Now, I think the question that some of us ask from time to time, how do, how do I build these muscles, these spiritual muscles, these gifts of the Holy Spirit? I mean, I, I can't just wake up in the morning and, and decide, I'm going to be wise today. Father, I've declared yeah. it. Adam Wright is going to be wise in everything he does today, because in my morning offering, I said, Lord, I'm going to be wise today. And then at the end of that very same day, I'm going to ask your wife, was Adam wise today? And, and she's she going to say answer. no. <laughs> so we we pray for these. We offer communion for these, these gifts and fruits. Um, I'm about to go into the seven gifts per se and expound on each one of the seven a little bit more. If I can't go into all 12 of the fruits, but I can cover the gifts. Whether any of the 19 you're talking about, you offer them to God in your morning offering, the triune Godhead during your morning offering. You have communions, Holy Communions offered for this intention. You can have masses said for this intention. You can carry out any one of the three eminent good works, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, huh? Uh, not for the works themselves, but for the charity they help prosper among our fellow human persons, one human person to another human person in a world today that greatly needs it, right? Uh, any combination of the 14 works of mercy, the seven corporal works of mercy for the body or the seven spiritual works of mercy for the soul. Uh, embracing your suffering, whether physical or psychological, embracing your suffering and offering up your suffering in union with the cross of Jesus Christ, who's now risen gloriously from the dead, huh? Um, but because his body, the church still aches, you know, we can still offer up our own suffering with that one sacrificial act on that one Good Friday that the holy sacrifice of the Mass makes present again. You know, we don't keep crucifying our Lord over and over and over again, like some of our Protestant brothers and sisters believe we do in the Mass. No, we we acknowledge it was one supreme act, right? But the body makes up for the lack of suffering from Christ because the meaning his body, the church, her bride, still suffers. That's what that passage means from Scripture. We're called to help make up in union with our head 
uh, what is still lacking in the perfection of, of his body, meaning the church. So we can still offer our own suffering, and that's very, very important. So these are different ways that we can do these flexes to make the, the muscle grow, because like you said, it might still be minute in you, but then it begins to manifest itself like you also intimated. And that's where we're going to stop today in our conversation with Father Wade. If you want to hear the entire thing, go over to our YouTube channel. We've got about, it's about a 42-minute long video with Father Wade Menezes on Pentecost and the fruits and gifts of the Holy Spirit posted there. Uh, follow us on social media at ourcatholicradio.org. And now it's time for a catequiz question this morning. We've said that coming up in just not even two weeks is Corpus Christi, which is, well, I'll, I'll stop there for a second. I don't want to give you too much information, too many clues. Uh, what is between now and Corpus Christi? What do we celebrate this coming Sunday? What is the name of that feast? If you said Trinity Sunday, you are correct. That's what we celebrate this coming Sunday. Now, another catechist question. How much trouble will I get in if I try to explain the Holy Trinity to you? Lots. Because uh, I have yet to meet someone who can best explain it. But I will tell you this. One of the best explanations of the Trinity that you'll find out there is in Frank Sheed's Theology for Beginners. It's a, uh, a book you should check out if you haven't already. Um, there is so much we know and yet so much we don't know about how to explain the mystery of the Holy Trinity. And uh, so I'm not going to get in any trouble this morning. But I am going to get you another check of the weather here. And then our daily dose of encouragement will be up after that. Prayer for Vocations God, our Father, who wills that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of your truth, we beg you to send laborers into your harvest and grant them grace to speak your word with all boldness so that your word may spread and be glorified and all nations may know you, the only God, and him whom you have sent, Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Our Lady Queen of the Americas and Mary, Mother of the Franciscan Missionaries of the Eternal Word, pray for us. This week on the Daily Dose of Encouragement, Patty Schneier is sharing with us about the virtue of prudence. And so on this Tuesday, we turn to Patty Schneier for more on this wonderful virtue. Well, today we're going to talk about steps to grow in prudence. So today we're going to talk about the first step. In order to be prudent, we have to have light in our understanding so that we can judge events and circumstances correctly. Prudence is that virtue that helps us to make wise decisions. So without light in our understanding, we can't discern how to make that good decision. So the bottom line is, if we're going to make a good decision, we cannot be in darkness. We need the light of grace and a properly formed conscience. And that's the problem. No one thinks that he or she is in darkness. I am so guilty of this so often. Everybody else is wrong, but, oh, it certainly can't be me. No, we have to really look at our own hearts and our own conscience. We think we're just fine all the time, but we're not. And so prudence, if we want to grow in prudence, we have to look at any area that does not line up with our Catholic faith, and we have to address it. Sin is what clouds our conscience. Sin clouds our decision-making. 
I love this phrase, sin makes you stupid. And in a way, it does because it then robs us of prudence. So if you're trying to make better decisions in your life or help someone else make better decisions, address the sin. Remove that cloud. That's the first step in growing in prudence. We have to have light in our understanding. We have to get rid of the sin, and we have to have our will and our conscience in line with our Catholic faith. So that's the first way to grow in prudence. Well, I think we just do what has been a time-honored tradition of starting at the very beginning, a very good place to start. And Patty, you've given us step one today. I look forward to tomorrow here on the Daily Dose of Encouragement. How cool is this? Catholic News Agency reporting on one of our favorite uh, servants of God, and well, actually, he's not servant of God yet. I am getting ahead of myself here. I hope I'm not wrong just early. But Father Emil Capen, we've been talking about Father Emil Capen, and uh, they named a post office after him in Kansas, in Harrington, Kansas. Uh, the post office is going to be named the Captain Emil J. Capen Post Office Building. And uh, what a what a cool thing. You know, as we were celebrating Memorial Day yesterday, I think of so many of our troops who have given the ultimate sacrifice to protect our country, to protect the freedoms that we love and enjoy and uh, unfortunately so often take for granted. And Father Capen, as you know, had the opportunity to escape and uh, to retreat. But he stayed with the men, just like Father Vincent Capadano. He's another one that we hear about and uh, we learn about a great thing. You know, yesterday was also a very good reminder for us, being Memorial Day, of the importance of praying for the dead. So often we say, well, what can we do for them? They're, they're dead now. Well, God transcends time. We can pray for them. We can pray for the repose of their souls. There's a lot, you know, that would be a great segment, you know, the importance of praying for the dead. I know we've talked about that on the show before, but perhaps if you didn't yesterday, today, lift up in prayer those who gave their lives in service of our nation, those who we honored yesterday with Memorial Day. We had a, a fascinating time explaining to the kids the, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier as we watched a ceremony there on uh, on our TV the other night. And it was, you know, the kids were, were just asking, why does he, why is he so precise? They were talking about the guard and the changing of the guard. Why is he so precise in each and every step and each and every movement? And uh, we were talking about how because it's a very honored thing to be one of the tomb guards um, and how they take it very, very seriously. And then it, it opened the door talking about ritual and talking about liturgy and talking about why we're so particular that you don't rush through the sign of the cross and inadvertently make the sign of the triangle or why when you go into church to genuflect, it's not about how quick can you get down on one knee and how quick can you get back up and did your knee actually touch the floor? Did it come close enough? It's stopping and being deliberate in our actions. When we kneel, is it about, okay, I have to kneel, so how can I get comfortable on the kneeler? Or is it about reverent kneeling during the Eucharistic prayer. It's about posture. It's about all of these things we do. We don't have to wear a uniform to be reverent. We don't have to wear, uh, you know, we, we don't have to be the priest to be reverent. We can be reverent as the laity in the pew. That's where we are called 
to do that. So lots of great discussions with the right kids. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And I need to correct myself. Father Emil Capon is a servant of God. He was named servant of God by Pope St. John Paul II on, uh, back in 1993. So he is servant of God, Father Emil Capon. And he's got a post office named after him. How cool is that? Anyway, that's our show today. That Thank you for listening to Roadmap to Heaven. I'm Adam Wright for Covenant Network. And especially in light of First Saturday coming up, let me remind you, as the Blessed Mother would, pray your rosary today. <laughs>